U.S. Constitution, the single most important goal of political feminists went down to defeat. That same month, when Argentina invaded the British-controlled Falkland Islands, a sparsely populated, desolate, oil-rich island chain 300 miles off Argentina's coast, Margaret Thatcher, Britain's first woman prime minister, ordered British warships to the scene. After more than 1,000 casualties on both sides, Argentina retreated. Since a hostile Soviet journalist had called Thatcher the Iron Lady, the Prime Minister had relished the moniker. The Falklands War proved to the world it was no mere talking point. At the time, nine out of ten members of Congress were white men. One woman, Nancy Kassebaum, was a United States senator. Her father had been the GOP's 1936 presidential nominee against Franklin D. Roosevelt. In late fall, on the eve of the midterm elections, polls in the Missouri U.S. Senate race showed Democratic State Senator Harriet Woods in striking distance of defeating the incumbent Republican. But Woods had nearly run out of campaign funds. So Harriet Woods came to Washington, D.C., looking for $50,000 for a week of television in Missouri, Shriok said. She went to the typical places you would go in the early 80s, the labor unions, the party caucuses, the party leaders, and they all said no. They basically said women can't win, and they let her run out of money. Woods narrowly lost. There was a group of women here led by Ellen Malcolm who were just livid at what happened, but they realized that they didn't have a network to help fill that hole either. By 1983, Malcolm gathered some of her friends together to strategize about how to bust through the Senate's glass ceiling. They faced a catch-22. Money was the measure of a candidate's viability, but campaign donations flowed only to those who looked like winners. Malcolm had been press secretary for the National Women's Political Caucus, and she had a lot of contacts in the feminist movement. There were plenty of women who were giving money to feminist causes, but they were not contributing to women candidates. The group agreed that women needed funds early in their campaigns to, in Malcolm's words, convince these old boys that they could win. They experimented informally for the 1984 cycle, and then in 1985, Malcolm realized that if they wanted to elect more women, they needed to get serious about building a fundraising machine. Every good tale includes an origin story, and the story of Emily's List begins one night in 1985 in Malcolm's basement. Malcolm invited 25 friends from the women's movement to her house in Washington and told them to bring their Rolodexes. That night, they sent 450 women a letter with two requests, join Emily's list and donate $100 directly to two women candidates of their choice. In effect, they were bundling money to candidates. Campaign donations did not pass through their hands, but their handiwork was there for all the candidates, the party, the operatives, to see. Barbara Mikulski's 1986 election to the Senate was their first big win. Emily's list gave her critical support in the Democratic primary. They got themselves on the national map a few years later with Ann Richards' successful 1990 bid for Texas governor. In 1991, when Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas was accused of sexual harassment by law professor Anita Hill, and televised hearings showed the all-male Senate Judiciary Committee, chaired by Joe Biden, impugning Hill in a way all too familiar to many women, 
Emily's list was there to harvest the groundswell of political will. From the beginning, Emily's list set out to change these well-worn habits and decided that the fear tactics typical of movement organizing wasn't the best way to do that. It wasn't one of these, the world is coming to an end so you should give. It was, here's what happens in a campaign, here's what candidates do with the money, Malcolm recalled. We went through years of building a trust relationship with women donors. The early money strategy worked. It gave women tremendous credibility in the political world. Over the years, all those Democratic Party people, all those know-it-all employees of PACs who would decide who should get the contributions, came to believe more and more that women were credible contenders. Money is key, but there are many other components to a successful electoral campaign, and in the mid-1990s, Emily's List expanded their portfolio. They started campaigning.